Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And as always, this is where we take your questions. Anything you want to ask us, just put them in the comments section underneath the Facebook Live video. And as we give people a chance to start asking some things, I uh, figured we'd just start. I know injuries were uh, a big part of the storyline there. Uh, in that game in Seattle. So wanted to know, we always talk about how on Wednesdays it's unfortunate when we do this show just for the fact that we don't get the actual injury report or stuff until later. But what do we know for right now in terms of some of the injury situations? Yeah, the big the big position, it seems like this happens a lot, or it has in recent years, right? The, the injuries tend to bunch up at one or two positions, and that happened and has happened over the last couple of weeks at tight end and outside linebacker. You know, we were down in that game to mostly Tanner Hudson, uh, by the end of that game because Anthony O'Claire suffered a foot injury, turf mm-hmm. toe, I believe, which is one of those injuries that's a lot worse. than It, it needs a new name. Yes, that's true. It turf, doesn't sound bad, but yeah, turf I actually had it when I was uh, when I was in high school, and it really was How terrible. How long did it keep you out? A um, couple months, yeah, but it, that was a, like a pretty bad case of it. Well, I think he might have got a bad case of it. Yeah. So it, we, in addition to the fact that we do this show before the injury report, it's also – before any roster moves have been announced, I'm sure some fans have seen some reports out there. Uh, we can't officially announce them yet, but I wouldn't argue with what you've seen. So it seems pretty clear that the um, outside linebacker position is thin now as it was in the second half of that game because of the injuries to Carl Nassib and Anthony Nelson. And Nassib had a groin injury and Nelson had a hamstring injury. Uh, we'll know better by the end of the day and then, of course, by the end of the week, the severity of those injuries. But I think you're going to see some additions to that spot because you simply – I don't think you can go into another game without some additions. Right. After watching poor Jason Pierre-Paul, although I think he loves it, playing every snap, yeah. and Shaq Barrett play every snap in the second half. And between them, I think they missed four out of 150 snaps at outside linebacker. So – while those guys are obviously very capable, and Shaq's had a great year, and Jason Pierre-Paul's made a, a instant impact with a, a second half in his first two games, you're just not going to be as effective at the end of the game when you need to make a big play right. if you're playing every single snap at that position and rushing and rushing and rushing the passer. Right, exactly. So you're going to see some additions there, um, and they could be playing on Sunday depending on what we find out about NASA and Nelson. Yeah, that's a great point. So overall, looking at the game in Seattle, um, what are some of the biggest <clears throat> takeaways that you had? I mean, that was such a – um, roller coaster of an ending, and it just it felt like it was right there, and, and that also feels like something we've said so many times this season of, of the team being right there and in a position to take it. So, um, just overall, what would you say are your biggest takeaways from that game? When you see another game like this, and I'd say it's at least the third one that the Buccaneers feel like they they feel like they should have won. You know, that's them saying that. Right. Uh, the the Giants game the Tennessee game and this game, they all came down to, at one point, the Bucks needing to make a drive at the end of the game. And in the Giants game, they did, but missed the field goal. And in the Tennessee game, couldn't co- convert the fourth and one. And then in this game, they did convert the fourth and five with James Winston's scramble and managed to score to send it to overtime, but then couldn't finish it out. And I know that they're going to say and have said, we need somebody to make that big play. We need to win those games. And once we win a few of them, it'll start to snowball and it'll build a winning culture, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. All true. I think it was a little bit tougher in this situation because, A, the defense, and I was just talking about that a little bit, was a little bit gassed by the time you hit overtime. Right. And you're facing just the absolutely red-hot Russell Wilson. Right. Uh, think about the fact that they hadn't allowed – they had allowed exactly one third-down conversion, the Bucks defense, in the entire um, – first four quarters mm. one yeah that's incredible the overtime drive came down to a third down and it was third and five they threw the ball downfield and dk metcalf made that incredible play so they gave up one key third down and you're left feeling they didn't make the play but 
I find it a little hard to fault them too much in this situation. Right. An incredible play by Metcalf. The only the second third down conversion they allowed all day. And there's also the fact of the overtime construction. Mm-hmm. And nobody's complaining or making excuses. It's certainly fairer, more fair than it used to be. But still, the way it's set up, if that first team gets the ball, goes down and scores a touchdown, that's it, that's right? It, yeah. uh, that's the rules. That's fine. But the Seattle won the toss. They deserved, they, they succeeded. They deserved the win. But you just feel bad that Jameis Winston, who had basically been matching serve with Russell Wilson the whole game. I mean, yeah. the only thing he didn't have was as many touchdowns because we ended up running two of them in. Right. But throw for throw, he was matching the performance of probably right now the guy you'd call the league MVP, and he didn't get a shot in overtime. Yeah, Never got to take tough. the field. It's yeah. the rules. It's not a complaint. It's just, you it's said, just that's unfortunate. what you feel kind of left yeah. back. That's true. Uh, Rob asked, what did you think of the play of Jamel Dean? Well, he had his ups and downs. I mean, the guy didn't even know, not that this is an excuse, he didn't even know two hours before the game that he was going to be playing on defense. You know, Carlton Davis suffers the injury in warmups, and that pushed Dean into this big role. And then whether it's something the Seahawks always do, or I think it's a little bit of both probably, or they figured the best way to attack our defense, they stayed in 11 personnel or three or four receivers almost the entire game. So mm-hmm. the Bucks were playing in the nickel almost the entire game, which means all Dean, Murphy, Bunting, and Hargraves – all three of them played almost every snap in the game. So Dean's out there for almost every snap. It looks pretty clear that Russell Wilson is throwing in his direction a lot, as any quarterback probably would against a rookie playing in really his first real game on defense. And he had four pass breakups. I mean, he right. he, he had one very acrobatic one on third down in the end zone that was a big play. And um, there were some plays I'm sure he'd like to have back. I'd say what it is is it wasn't the plan, and it didn't – in in victory for the Buccaneers, but mm-hmm. in in the long run, that exposure for him and some of the other young guys is going to be valuable. Doesn't right. feel real good when you're talking about a loss and a two and six record, but in the long run, that's going to be a very valuable experience for him. Of course, and and I mean having six rookies on defense out there at one time, I mean that's that's asking a lot of some young yeah. guys. And I, it was interesting to hear the way that people talked about it after the game. The idea of a lot of people are saying once you've played a few games in the NFL, you're not a rookie anymore. But I think that's one of the things you say, sort of <laughs> like the next man up idea. But mm-hmm. you, you are still a rookie. It is, you know, you well, still especially don't have... if you're Jamal Dean, who really hadn't played. Right, He'd exactly. Played on special teams. So overall, besides him, how did you feel about uh, the rest of the rookies well, apparently, that were out there in defense? According to um, coach Sean Murphy Bunting, played very well, and uh, he's he looks like he's getting better every single week. And, you know, they the Bucks really had high hopes for him, and. And a lot of people do. They just think he's got natural talents for the position. I remember talking to Rondé Barber, who would know, uh, during training camp, who was really high on Murphy Bunting just for little things like his footworks and how fluid he is in the hips and everything. And I think you're seeing as he gets exposure, he's getting better quickly. So that's right. good. I think that's re- that's probably the best sign so far because you want him and hopefully Dean as well to be parts of this secondary for a long time to come. Yeah. Um, who else? Anthony Nelson got hurt. Uh, Mike Edwards has been – he's been dealing with a hamstring, first of all, and he's sort of sort of getting worked back in. I don't think he played a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Dean. Not sure who else it was among the rookies that was out there. but Right. Um, Michael, oh, Devin White. Oh, right, yeah. Devin course. White, the first pick. Yeah. He had 12 tackles. That's the most for him so far. He was flying around. He he had the incredible the hustle yeah. play, the other force fumble. And even on the, the play that he got the penalty, the long pass interference penalty in the end zone – 
it was still a sign of what he can do because I assume that the Bucks were in a cover two sort of look there because that's when your middle linebacker has deep coverage down the middle responsibilities, which was a staple of the Bucks defense for many, many years. It was something that guys like Shelton Quarles did very well, but it's not easy to do for a linebacker to, right. to ask him to have deep middle coverage. And he was there. You know, he right. just unfortunately ended up tangling up with the guy on a pass that probably wouldn't have been caught. Right. Anyway. But yeah, if you think about even the play at the end of the Tennessee game that they ruled, well, you know, they blew the whistle so it didn't, you know, count as the fumble or whatever. I mean, he would have three forced fumbles yeah. in two games. That's He's pretty making impressive. plays. Um, so Michael wanted to know why do we target Scotty Miller so much? And I think that's been a question I've seen a few different ways about uh, the different ways that weapons are or mm. are not being used in terms of all of our yeah. different pass catchers. I don't think we target him so much. Yeah. I think uh, it's a couple times a game, and the fact probably the frustration that you can hear in that question is the fact that almost very few of those targets are really working out. They did, I think, three times late in the Carolina game, but for the most part we are having trouble getting Scotty Miller involved in the offense, I think. And, you know, you look at the, the touchdown play. It was It was a good play. He just – happened to barely stepped on the back line before he caught the ball. So it was a penalty, and the count, the thing didn't happen. Why do we target him at all? The Bucks are trying to figure out a third option. There Really nobody has emerged as the best third option. So Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you know, they're the most productive receiving duo in the league. This is the only the second time in the history of the NFL that a team through just the first half of the season has two guys over 750 receiving yards. I mean, the, the production that those guys are putting out is incredible. But you know there are going to be times when the defense is going to figure out ways to cover both of them. Right. And, uh, and you saw that with Mike Evans late in the Tennessee game. And then you're looking for somebody else. If they're doing that, if they're paying so much attention to one or two of both of those guys – you need to have somebody else that can make a play and can take advantage of one-on-ones or open spots in the zone. So who's that going to be? Is it Prashad Perryman? That's been a mixed bag. Is it Scotty Miller? We're, we're still trying to find out. Justin Watson hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities. I mean, the Titans make a lot of sense, but they've all been banged up. So at some point you're down to the point of we're trying to make something work. And, we're, you know, Scotty Miller, the thing that he has is speed, right? If you take all those guys – and try to find one trait that really stands out, it's, for, it's probably Scotty Miller and his speed. And we've seen him actually get deep. He had a, a play in uh, the Rams game where it would have been a touchdown probably if Jameis didn't get hit as he threw. And he had another play in the Tennessee game, deep downfield like a deep post that was really close, but the, the defensive back made a nice play at the last minute. So there is a way to use his speed in a way that helps. We just haven't quite connected on it yet. And, and you know, just to wrap it all up, the answer to the question is they're trying to find somebody who's a good third option. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. All right, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you next week.